Well, again, good morning to you, and I'd like to invite you to go ahead and grab a Bible and a pen, uh, grab those notes, uh, again, grab a pot or a bucket, uh, grab some Kleenex, and yes, you may need those, uh, not for what you may think, though. Grab that as we're going to be able to jump into the Word today. Uh, maybe you had one of these family members. I had, uh, I had Aunt Sue. Sue Wright was her name, no longer with us, passed away a, a good bit ago. But she was one of those ladies, even in the 80s, she had her Kodak camera, and she had her rolls of film, and she would always take pictures. Uh, over and over, she'd take pictures. Maybe you have those people in your own family. I know one time I was even challenged going on a mission trip. Uh, someone looked at us and just really was so helpful to let us know, don't hide behind the camera. Actually go and experience the people and get to know them. Let them know that you love them. Let them know uh, that God loves them, that you care about them. And so often, what happens in life, maybe you know that person, maybe you've done that yourself. Uh, so often what takes place is we end up, even as believers, taking pictures of the church and watching others serve when God is wanting for us to experience his grace, when God is wanting us to participate in being in a relationship with him, not just to stand behind the camera and watch the people be the church and claim what others are doing for ourselves. when God is wanting us to be in that relationship and to experience that with him. And maybe that's what God is asking of you today. Maybe God is wanting you to step out from behind the camera and to engage with him in a way that maybe you've never engaged with him before. Right? Isn't, isn't that often what the church has become for people? Where we want to come and we want to watch others worship. Or we want to watch others serve. We want to see what others are doing from afar. And yet today I'm letting you know that God is wanting you to participate. To be part of being in a relationship with him. To step out from behind the camera. Hopefully today is going to be that opportunity for you because of what Jesus Christ has done through the resurrection. If you don't already know, uh, the Bible that we're about to open up and to look at, it's got the Old Testament. And after a 400-year intertestamental period, there is the New Testament. And the New Testament consists of 27 books. It starts with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tells the story of Jesus' life and his death and also his resurrection. And then you have one of those 27 books that speak about the early church, the book of Acts. And then you have 21 books that really speak about the life of Jesus that he lived and the impact that now has on our life and now the way that we should be living. And then you have a book, the book of Revelation, that is a book of prophecy. Those are the 27 books that comprise the New Testament. And the entire theme of the New Testament is the same. It's about the life of Jesus and about his resurrection and what that means for us who claim him as our Lord and our Savior. For those who have stepped out from behind the camera and experienced his love, experienced his goodness, it's about now how we should live life. That's what it is. It's about the resurrection of Jesus. The story is the resurrection of Jesus and his conquering death. Jesus has won. And so as we listen to scripture today, maybe that might be a question that you need to evaluate. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Because that's the New Testament. 
Do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe in the truth, the power of it, the strength of it? Do you believe in the resurrection? Some of you may have taken a picture of others who believe in the resurrection, maybe your family, the way that you were raised, the way that you were brought up, but you personally have never said, you know what, I'm going to step into that relationship. I'm going to leave the camera. I'm going to step into the scene. I'm going to step into that with Jesus Christ, and I'm going to claim belief that Jesus Christ is sovereign, that he conquered death. It is Easter, that he is victorious. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Today, hopefully, you're going to be able to answer that question and to step fully into that relationship that Christ is desiring for you. The resurrection of Jesus matters. And it seems like even within the church, sometimes that's up for debate. It's not up for debate, not for the believer, not for the Christian. The gospel is all about Jesus Christ defeating death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus, and this is the best way I can come out with saying it, is that the resurrection of Jesus is God's full force of love, right? Tsunami, tidal wave, all that together. The resurrection of Jesus is God's full force force of love bombarding the brokenness bombarding the despair of humanity it's God allowing his son to say enough and that's what the resurrection of Jesus is that's why we celebrate so much on Easter And yes, we get to celebrate every day by being a believer in Jesus Christ because we live on the finished side of the cross. We know that we get to celebrate the same way tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. But it's an opportunity for us on this one occasion to truly step fully into that, step away from standing behind the camera and to step in that relationship and recognize the resurrection of Jesus is real and it's powerful And it redeems and restores and renews. And so as we look at that today, I'd like to invite you to open up scripture to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, uh, we've been looking through the gospel of John a good bit lately. And I'd like us to open up John chapter 20 because what's happening in John chapter 20 is the resurrection itself. And some people who encountered the resurrection as being real and how that struck them and how that hit them. I'd like to just very quickly run through the first 10 verses. We're going to then camp out more diligently in verses 11 through 18 of John chapter 20. But here's how it begins. John chapter 20, it says, it's the first day of the week. All right, Mary Magdalene, had come, she came to the tomb early that morning. It was still dark, and in that very moment, she had already seen that, to, that the tomb had been rolled away. So she runs over to Simon Peter. Now remember, it wasn't long before this that Simon Peter had been weeping. It says that he wept because he recognized that the words of Christ had become true, and he denied Jesus three times. Right? He hears the rooster crow. He goes out, it says, and he wept. Well, now Mary Magdalene is going to Simon Peter because he couldn't believe what he had done. He's going, or she's going to him and to another disciple. It says the one whom Jesus loved, which we know that to be John. And so the two, two of them hear Mary speak to them. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've laid him. So they take off and they go running. Now, we know that the beloved disciple 
reach the tomb first, but he didn't enter. It says that they just stooped in. And stooping in, all of a sudden, Peter looks and he sees the linen cloths lying there. And he sees all that is happening. He saw the linen cloths lying there, the face cloth which Jesus had, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. And then verse 8 tells us that the other disciple now is like, okay, well then I'll go in as well. And he goes in and he sees and he believes because the tomb is empty. And they had not fully understood the scriptures as intended prior that he must rise from the dead. And now they are understanding. The disciples go back to their homes, and Mary, here she is, she's still going, what's happening? She must have come after going to tell them what had taken place, and now here's Mary going, Mary Magdalene going, what's taking, what, what's really taking place here? And it tells us, verse 11, it says, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Here Mary is, and she's there, and she's weeping. Jesus is gone and she had already come to weep and to mourn and to prepare his body and it says that she is now weeping outside the tomb and as she wept she she stooped just like Peter and the beloved disciple did she stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain one at the head and one at the feet and they said to her woman why are you weeping So here she is, and, and, and this word weeping, right? She's mourning, she's grieving the loss of Jesus Christ, and now the body is gone. Obviously, she believes that they had come and taken the body because she goes and tells the disciples, hey, listen, they, they've taken the body, and now here she is stooping in to see, and she sees these angels, and the angels say, woman, why, woman, why are you weeping? She says, listen, they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. And she did not know that it was Jesus. She didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Woman, why are you weeping? Jesus is now reiterating and calling out the very same thing that the angels had already said to Mary. Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Suppose him to be the, supposing him to be the gardener. So here's Mary. She's looking at Jesus and going, this this must be a gardener. She doesn't really know that it's Jesus at this point. And she says to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And that, in that moment, that's when Jesus is revealing himself to her. And she recognizes him, and she turns and says in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have yet not ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers, say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. It's an amazing passage of scripture for us to be able to examine. Here comes Mary to the tomb and she is weeping. And listen, we already know, as I just mentioned, Peter wept because he recognized that Jesus' prediction of him denying Christ three times before the rooster crowed happened, and so he wept. It was just prior to this, not long before Jesus entered Jerusalem for the very last time for Passover, for the last week of his life. Jesus had been found weeping with Mary, right? Because of 
her brother being killed, Lazarus, right? And so all of a sudden, here's Lazarus being raised from the dead. But at first, we know that Jesus wept with them. All this weeping is taking place. It was just a couple of days prior to this that Jesus himself was crying out to God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so here's Mary weeping, and many of us are weeping right now. Many of us are mourning because life as we once knew it is it doesn't currently exist. Not right now. And we can have a discussion sometime about whether we would we should even want life to go back to as it was. But the the gist is very simple, and, and the fact remains that many of us are mourning because. Maybe you're not finishing your senior year of high school or college. I can imagine that's a difficult thing to walk through. Many of us are mourning because many have lost their jobs. And we're going, how are we going to pay rent? How are we going to pay for groceries? Many of us are mourning because the very way of life that we once knew where we actually found comfort and predictability has been ripped away from us. And so now we are mourning. We're wanting to see a parent and yet we're no longer seeing a parent because we can't go and see them. And we're wanting to see a friend but we can't go see those friends. Many of us are weeping and know this, weeping is not wrong. Mourning is not wrong. Grieving is not wrong. It's often triggered by loss. And many of us have lost a good bit lately. Many of us have lost maybe a lot of our own retirement. Maybe we've lost so many other things that come into play as well. And mourning and weeping is an important process so that we can appropriately handle the hurt and the confusion and the loss that we experience. It's, it's a process that's important for us to move to a healthy place after loss. And so Mary's weeping is not wrong. Please hear me say that right now. Weeping, the weeping that Mary had was not wrong. The weeping that Jesus had was not wrong. Peter's weeping when he recognized that he denied Jesus just as he predicted was not wrong. A lot of those emotional symptoms of of mourning and grieving and loss, it comes down to where we experience sadness and we have guilt and we have anger and we have fear. All of those things are real. And I know that many of you may be experiencing those things right now. But what I want to make sure that you hear today is that when you are mourning and when you, when you are weeping, if you are someone who claims to know Jesus Christ, if you are someone who acknowledges what Christ has done, that the resurrection is real, that the resurrection is true, if that's who you are, the person of faith walks through mourning differently than the one who doesn't have faith. We've got to get that. Hear me, hear this, the faith believer, the one who believes in Jesus walks through mourning and walks through misery and walks through weeping and walks through grieving, walks through loss differently than the person who doesn't know Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do before I even go further into this passage is I want to make sure you know three things that the faith-filled weeper needs to know. The, the faith-filled weeper we're all going to experience loss in this life. We're all going to experience hurt and difficulty in this life. But if you're a faith-filled weeper, you need to know that your emotions matter to God. Our emotions often are a picture of what matters most to us. 
And your emotions matter to God. We need to be reminded of that. It's the, it's the reason Jesus is actually called man of sorrows, right? Jesus cares about your emotions and what is grabbing your heart. He just wants to have priority in your heart. And so your emotions matter to God. Another thing that you need to know for the faith-filled weeper is that it's okay to tell God how you feel. The entire book of Psalms is, is David and even Asaph and others telling God how they feel. David often said that he was crying out to God, that he would call out to God in anger, that he would call out to God in frustration, that he would call out to God in mourning. We can tell God our emotions, and it's healthy to tell God, to call those things out. Maybe you need to just tell God, God, I don't understand life right now. I don't understand all the worldly hurt, all the worldly problems. I don't understand all this confusion that's in my life right now. And just go ahead and identify it and call it out. Because if you're a faith-filled weeper, it's a good thing to be able to do because then we're reminded that lasting comfort is found in Jesus. When Mary and Martha experienced grief, grief when Lazarus died, they found comfort in Jesus. Jesus wept with them, as I previously said. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means that there is a hope beyond grief and a victory that is beyond suffering. There is hope beyond grief and victory beyond suffering. And so the faith-filled person walks through the weeping, the mourning, the loss differently than anyone so, well, some of us need to recognize we are right now, we are grieving and mourning in a way that actually shows that our priorities aren't God. Our priorities and the things that we find hope and comfort in are something that's temporary, that are something of this world. I hope that you recognize how quickly the things of this world can be taken from you. And so if that's your fulfillment, if that's your comfort, think about being the end of your life and you go, man, I found all my peace, all my comfort, all my joy, all my fulfillment, I found in things that are now gone. They're fleeting. Rather than finding it in the resurrection of Jesus. And so here's Mary. Not fully knowing at this point that her weeping was going to give way to joy. Was going to give way to hope. And she's weeping. But for Mary, when she sees that Jesus has come. And that he has conquered death. Her weeping is going to take on a new perspective. That's what happens when you're a faith-filled believer, when you're someone who understands that the resurrection of Jesus is real because we live on the finished side of the cross. We recognize that all of a sudden what happens is that weeping and mourning takes on a new perspective. Again, I'm not saying that the weeping and the mourning doesn't exist, that it doesn't occur, that it, it's not real in this life. I'm not saying that. But it takes on a new perspective when you have eternal joy because of Jesus conquering death. And Mary was weeping primarily because she did not know that Jesus had risen. Well, all of a sudden that weeping looks different when Mary recognizes that Jesus has actually conquered the tomb. 
That's why we say, as a believer, no more weeping. We know the heart is going to come. We know the difficulty is going to come. We know weeping will be there. But for the believer, it looks so radically different for the non-believer. Right now, are you proud of your belief? Are you proud of your faith? Are you proud that you are declaring the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Many of us are hiding with timidity behind the camera, and we're looking at everybody else's faith, and we're going, okay, I think that's what I'm supposed to do, so I'm going to keep taking pictures of it. Put the camera down, step into the picture, step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and together with him recognize the resurrection of Jesus is a real thing, it is powerful, it is life-altering forever and ever. That's where we have to come to. But so many of us are using all of our energy so many of us are using all of our emotions to not claim the resurrection we're using all of our energy living in what we've lost and that's not just the last month guys that's man we've been living like this for so many decades and centuries and oh Are you living, is your life a reflection of the resurrection of Jesus being real? Maybe it's an opportunity for us to even take that pot back, that bucket that maybe you have, whatever else it might be, right? You grab something, maybe it's a bowl from your your table and you grab it and you grab some Kleenex. Maybe for some of you, you need to recognize that we're the ones that are mourning and weeping just like the world without our perspective being changed. And again, weeping is a real thing. We've lost. Some of you are weeping because You can't see a loved one that you want to be able to see, and you need to say, God, but I know that you conquering death is greater than that. Again, it doesn't doesn't remove it, but it means that Jesus can bring comfort in the midst of it. And so you want to take that, and you just need to say, God, I give that to you. Some of you are mourning because you've lost a job, and you need to say, you know what? Uh, You're greater than that. It doesn't mean that this doesn't hurt, and I've got to figure things out, but I'm going to trust you to help me, and I'm going to rely on you, and I'm going to be dependent upon you. And so you hand that to him. Some of you are mourning because you're just lonely, and you want someone to be able to see their face or to be able to speak with, and you need to hand that loneliness to God, knowing that Christ can prevent bring that fulfillment to you. Some of you are, are, are sitting here and you're mourning and you're weeping because you recognize that sickness is a real thing and physically you're hurting or you have a friend that's hurting. Some of you are weeping or mourning because of embarrassment that you have over not being the parent that you should have been all along. Not knowing what to do with your kids now that you're actually with your kids. And so you need to hand that to him and you need to make a change in your life. Some of you are mourning and weeping because you have recently recognized that you and your spouse don't actually love each other the way that you assume that you love each other. Some of you are weeping and some of you are mourning because 
of your loss of sports or music or school or anything else. And again, it doesn't mean that those things don't matter. But I'm telling you now, you have to examine whether or not your life is reflecting that the resurrection of Jesus is more important than those things. Would you be grieving and mourning just as much if someone came to you and said, Jesus isn't real? What are you mourning over? What are you weeping over? And what I'm saying, please, I'm begging you, is to acknowledge that there are things that we need to mourn over. We need to grieve over. But we need to hand those things to God. The resurrection of Jesus will always prevail over temporary hurt. Will always prevail over temporary pain. That's the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And our weeping is dependent upon your acknowledgement of what you have discovered in Jesus. And when our weeping outweighs our joy, we have sought the wrong things for fulfillment. It doesn't say weeping doesn't exist. It simply says that when, when our weeping outweighs our joy, we've sought the wrong things for fulfillment. Are you seeking out God? Even Jesus looks at Mary and says, why are you weeping? What are you seeking? Are you seeking Jesus? Or are you seeking temporary fulfillment? Are you seeking the very things right now that will not last? Remember, lasting comfort is found in Jesus Christ. It will never be found in anything other than that. So we need to step into the picture. And when our fulfillment is found in the temporary, not the eternal, when that's really the state, and we speak about it so often here at Chapel Point, when that's where we are, too many times it's because we're standing behind the camera and we need to step into the picture and we need to recognize that Jesus is wanting us to be part of the story. Did you know that you're part of Jesus' story? You're his child. And maybe you need to make a decision today to actually step into the picture. That the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that you're willing to step into the picture. You're willing to recognize that Jesus Christ has taken all of these things for you. Every single one of them. Jesus Christ wants to take every single single pain and every single hurt. And he wants you to release them. Again, it doesn't mean that they don't exist. But he wants for you to release them. Another portion of this text I'd like to make sure that you see is John chapter 20. John chapter 20 and following. It says, John chapter 20, verse 16 and 17. Amazing passage for us. Because this is more of Mary, right? This is when Jesus is about to reveal himself to Mary. It says, Jesus said to her, Mary, 
And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. He says, don't cling to me, for I have yet not ascended to the Father. I love this so much. So we already know, right? Mary goes into the tomb. Angels, why are you weeping? Jesus appears. Why are you weeping? What are you seeking? And yet then, Jesus decides to reveal himself. And he reveals himself by calling out Mary's name. Just says it in a word, Mary. <clears throat> Mary. And right then, Mary recognized, oh, this is Jesus. And I love it so much because we need to step into the fact, when we step out from behind the camera and we step into the picture, part of the reason we do that is because we hear Jesus calling our name. Some of you need to know, Jesus is calling out your name right now. He's calling out your name Chuck or Bob or Ashley or Catherine or Pete or whatever, Luke, John, it doesn't, Melissa, Michelle, it does not matter what your name is. Jesus is calling out your name. And we need to ask ourselves if we are willing to respond to Jesus calling out our name. You've been hiding behind the camera and you've been watching church happen forever and ever, but it's time to step into the picture. Will you respond to the resurrection of Jesus? Will you respond to Jesus calling out your name? Even right now, I'd like to give you an opportunity to text. If you want to respond and truly step into the picture, can I invite you to text the word respond to 616-662-8801 and let us know if you're willing to respond to Jesus calling your name. Will you respond to Jesus calling out your name? It doesn't mean that weeping in the morning doesn't happen in this life, but what it does mean is that for eternity, we will no longer have the weeping in the morning. One of the things I also love about this story is we recognize that Jesus is calling out our own name. It was right prior to this, just prior to his death and, his, death and his crucifixion, just a couple days ago, right? We see Jesus being abandoned by his disciples, by his loved ones. And so here comes Jesus, he conquers death. And it's interesting to think about his first response after everything that has occurred. And he shows up to Mary and says, calls her name and says, Mary, don't, don't make a mistake here. Don't cling to me. I need you to run. I need you to tell others about me. I need you to make sure you go and tell them. Even right after this John chapter 20, Listen to this, John 20, 19 and following. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. The disciples don't know what's going on right now. And Jesus comes and stands among them and he says, peace be with you. And then he shows them his hands. He shows them his side. And he says again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. 
here is Jesus. And some of you are going, okay, pastor, I get it. Resurrection is real. Jesus is calling my name, but you don't know what I've done in life. What I'm telling you now is the very people who betrayed him and denied him, some of those people, I think about a Peter, right? I mean, his first encounter with Peter after when seeing him for the very first time is, listen, I'm going to build my church on you. Get ready. Jesus is so excited and eager to forgive you. He is so excited and eager to forgive anything of your past. He simply wants you to step into the picture of his love. He wants you to step into the resurrection. And if you're mourning, if you're weeping of whatever you have lost is, is taking primary over the resurrection, you don't fully know what it is to step into the picture that death has been defeated. Jesus is ready. He's eager to forgive you. He's ready and eager to restore you, to renew you. He's calling out your name. And even if you're someone who says, yeah, I already know. I I heard him call out my name and I responded. Well, don't just stay where you are. Step further into the picture. Some of you are going, I'm already there. No, don't be, that, don't be that person. Step further into the picture. Step further into his power. Step further into trusting him. Step further into allowing him to do more with your life. Step further into the picture. You can't step too far into the greatness of the love of God. It tells us in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, Jesus wipes away every tear. This is how it ends. When this life of messiness and yuckiness, all of this life, it's going to end one day for all of us. Everybody agrees to that. And here's what it involves. Jesus wiping away every tear from your eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, all right, that's the weeping. Nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things of life, they're going to pass away. And we're going to step fully into the picture of God's love. God's love that bombarded humanity in our despair and in our brokenness and in our misery. Jesus stepped in and Jesus won. Will you respond to that? Will you respond to that power and that love and that grace and that mercy? That's the question you have to ask. Why? Because in the end, Jesus crushes death. He removes all the, all the pain. That's what happens in eternity. And I know that it's here right now. But in the right here and the right now, Jesus is still calling your name. Will you respond to him? Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. God, I come before you in the name of Jesus as we worship you. And I pray that every person watching this, every person seeing this, every person hearing this, that they would have the courage to respond to you calling their name. Because it will change their life. We worship you, Lord. Amen. Let's worship him now.